This is all about teaming. Team is everything. That's even our theme this quarter is the team is everything. I can't do this on my own. I don't want to do it on my own. The team is everything. I have to lead them. And one of our other core values is raising up leaders. So I tell my team, who's going to lead? I'll inspire and I'll lead, but this is not going to be forever. So maybe I'm the coach, but who's the captain of this team? Who's going to lead this yeah. ship? And I say things like leadership is influence too. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to grow their wealth by investing in US real estate. I'm your host, Reed Goosens, and so far, I've acquired over $800 million worth of investments on various properties across the United States. On this podcast, I interview go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business to learn more about their investment journey and the cutting-edge strategies they are applying towards building a legacy. For more on growing your own wealth and by investing in the US, visit www www.readgoosens.com. Today on the show, I had the pleasure of speaking with Brett Snodgrass. Now, Brett is a real estate investor with over 15 years experience, and he specializes in wholesaling, wholetailing, creative finance, and scaling businesses. And his team at Simple Quarters acquires over 250 properties per year and builds passive income streams by creating over 50 different ways of creating financing per year per deal. So I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible insight and knowledge. But enough out of me, let's get him out here. G'day, Brett. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing great, mate. Reed, thanks for having me, man. I'm, yeah, trying, well, to, I'm trying to speak your language. Yeah, mate, it's all good. It's all good. I, I, can't, I, can't do a, I can't do a good American accent, so don't even get you know, it. Right. Uh, for those listeners, I'm a little bit nasally today. I, I was rocking and rolling yesterday and uh, I don't know, I just came down with something. With my, my kid gave it to me. So with that being said, Brett, I've been, we're talking a little bit in the, in the green room. I'd actually been on your show a couple of years back and I've never had you on, on this show. So I'm really, really excited to have you on. We've known each other. I've seen you grow over the years in terms of what you've been doing. And we're going to get into that. But before we do, can you rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? Mm, yeah, yeah. Actually, I got a just a great story. I've always just enjoyed entrepreneurship. Uh, even as a kid, I loved counting money. And when I was about the fifth or sixth grade, had this great idea. I talked to my mom. I said, Mom, let's go buy in bulk something. And and, and we used to go to, I think it was uh, Sam's Club back in the day. Let's buy in bulk pieces of gum. We used to buy a bunch of packages of gum in bulk. I think we paid a quarter per pack. And then I would take those to school and I'd sell a piece of gum at a time for a quarter a piece. So I typically made $1 per pack of gum. So I spent 25 for the pack, $1.25 because I had five pieces in it. So that's how I made my money, man. And uh, I uh, would come home, I'd make, you know, 10, 15 bucks a day selling gum to my my classmates, fifth, sixth grade. And that was a lot of money for a kid. So until they shut me down, the principal <laughs> shut me down because I was taking away their business at the concession stand. So <laughs> that's so funny. That's it. A lot of people come to this show and it's all around about creating ways to sell something, sell something of goods. Yeah. How was, how was your upbringing? What would, what, what did your parents do? And then, you know, how was your relationship with money growing up to obviously lead into the, or segue into your stories becoming, you know, the real estate investor and real estate entrepreneur? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, my parents, uh, we grew up very middle class. My dad was a high school teacher. He was also a high school basketball coach here in Indiana. Mom was a preschool teacher and she stayed at home with us many years as well. So very middle class. I mean, I'd say my, my parents, you know, maybe 60K a year, honestly, at, at their height. Uh, so very paycheck to paycheck. I don't remember my parents talking to me about money very much. So I don't know about you guys, but we never really talked about making money, budgeting, how to save money, how to tithe money. 
it was, I think it's just an innate, just ability of mine. I was just really, really interested in it. And I think it was more of just, I, I was interested more in creating something out of nothing or growing something or achieving something. So I had this kind of success achievement mentality, but it was never taught to me. Honestly, I wish they would have talked to me about it more, but I remember this is probably my mid twenties. My dad, I was a teacher too. So I was a teaching for about a year. I was kind of going after what my parents did. Most kids do, right? Dad's a teacher. I'll be a teacher. And I remember him telling me at one point, this is my 25 years old. He said, I never remember having more than $5,000 in my bank account. And that's when it clicked. I remember that even to this day, that was 18 years ago. And I said, I don't, I don't want to live paycheck to paycheck my whole life. And that really started this entrepreneurial journey more in depth. But I remember my dad might tell me that was probably the one thing he taught me about money and what not to do. Don't live you know, your entire life paycheck to paycheck. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. My, my parents are both teachers as well and similar, but not, you know, we, my dad was, was a deputy principal at my high school. I don't know if you went to the same high school as your dad or- uh, I did. And just having that sort of- <laughs> He was my high school basketball. He was, he was my he was. high school basketball coach too. Were, yeah. you, were, you, were, you getting, were you getting picked on every basketball team? <laughs> I Well, he it's hard to be a, a coach's son or a teacher's son. I'll tell you, because uh, you really have to prove yourself because people think maybe you're just playing because you're the son yes. uh, of the coach. Unless you're really good, then they're like, okay, you know, I get it. But uh, yeah, I had to be a top-notch basketball player in order to to play for him. So he was he was pretty hard on me. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 but I resonate with your your story because I had the same thing, right? Like my, my dad was a deputy principal, and it wasn't necessarily the the basketball coach, but it was like, hey, I'm he's a deputy principal, like he's second in charge. Like I've got to be that studious student. I've got to make sure that like I live up to the the role model that he's setting for the school. And it was yeah. it was a, you know, I would say it wasn't. By any means, it wasn't a difficult upbringing, but you know, it just it, you had that self awareness as a young kid in your early, you know, in that youth when you're just you're discovering your body and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And um, it was I just remember you know looking back on that, and and it was not many people have that experience, and it's a weird experience. Yeah. Sometimes I th- I think you know I, other everyone should go through it. Sometimes I'm like, no, nah, don't go through it because you know there was a bullying part of it as well. I'm sure like yeah, you know, having having your dad at the same high school and. My dad was the disciplinary as well of all the kids mm-hmm. at school. So I saw yeah. like mates getting dragged up to the, you know, getting expelled. So he's and- the one he's the one that everyone hated. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But 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 to your point, like states I'm state school educated. I'm not sure if you were as well, but it was that mentality of not having, you know, I don't know if they're paycheck to paycheck. I've heard stories later on that it was very much paycheck to paycheck when we were kids. And yeah. but being a teacher, he was Probably the same as you, trying to give advice where he could, but he didn't. Yeah. He was, you know, at the end of the day, he was he was just a teacher and he was doing the best he could with with three kids as well. So, I, I thank you for sharing that because it's such yeah, it, it, cut, it cuts close to home for me as well. Yeah, an interesting kind of story with my dad. So again, he was a teacher for about thirty three years. He was a coach for twenty five years. He retired from coaching to actually come watch me play in college because I got a college scholarship. But he was after thirty three years, he was still a teacher. He was about fifty five years old, and then that's when I started really getting into entrepreneurship and looking at real estate and flipping houses. And he he partnered with me. A cool story was for the first six or seven years, he was my partner. He retired early from teaching at fifty five. And we would drive around together, built a great relationship with my dad. But again, he was never taught. So I kind of, you know, took him under my wing to teach him more about entrepreneurship. It was just kind of a cool story. So even entrepreneurship in a way helped him retire early because he didn't, 
he didn't love teaching at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like he spent 33 years doing it, but he, he didn't love it. Right. It right. wasn't his everything for him. So anyways, it was uh yeah, that's just kind of a cool experience with my dad. That's, that is, that's very cool, man. That's, that's, it's must feel weird to be that sort of mentor to your dad. Where back to that story of how I was, I'm sure your dad was when you were at school, you know, you looked up to him, you know, so it's like a bit of a role reversal. So that, that, that's yeah. freaking awesome. Tell me now how in, in this story, so you started with the teaching and then you just jumped straight into real estate. Was, was it, was yeah. there like a, how did that work? Because that was a teacher's mindset versus an entrepreneur's mindset is a big, it's a huge chasm of a jump for most yeah. people. Yeah. So I'll take you back. I was about 25, 26 years old, uh, end up getting, uh, having a child out of wedlock. So here, here I am 25, 26. I was a teacher. Actually, I was a substitute teacher. So I was not making very much money at all. I literally, I think under 20,000 a year as a substitute school teacher moved home with my parents, 26, have a baby on the way, no money, dead broke bank accounts overdraft. And I was just like, man, I got to do something different with with my life. Uh, Dad introduced me. He had an old basketball coach that this old coach was a real estate investor now. Dad introduced me to him and I was kind of a bird dog for him. He would buy pieces of land, split them up, do a little development. And he was just looking for these, you know, 50 acre, 100 acre pieces of rural types of land. And I would find deals for him and he'd pay me a commission on them. My, My One of my very first commissions we bought this, you know, large piece of land. I think I made $7,000. And again, this whole, my dad never had $5,000 in his bank account resonate with me. Cause I'm like, this is actually more money I've ever seen in my entire life or my parents' entire life after they've been doing this. So that was one of my very first commissions really got interested in real estate. I would drive around with this real estate investor, looking at these land deals, taught me a lot. So I did that for about two years between 26, 27, 28. We bought our first house at the end of 2007 super cheap house in Youngstown, Ohio for like nine grand. And, you know, you, you bought your property back then, super cheap properties, REOs. We sold it for 15,000, made another six. And I said, I don't know what we did, but let's, let's rock and roll. The next year in 08, when everyone else is running for the Hills, we did 158 deals. So literally, yeah, learning from this mentor, doing that first deal, and then just just figuring out that system, honestly. And that system is a lot different than it is today. I mean, we, you know, REOs, lots of offers, bank owns, cheap properties, but uh, we've, that, that, that was our first couple of years. So that's, that's, that's incredible. And it's always good to go back down memory lane just to, to realize and give the audience a bit of a a snapshot of how things can, it takes a lot, like the overnight success that takes 10 years, you know what I mean? And then it's a lot of work and and effort. So let's fast forward to where you are today and what the business looks like. Cause you mentioned to me, in the green room, you had a CEO of your company. So clearly you got I to did. the company to, to, to a certain <laughs> spot where you could afford to bring on a CEO. That's even in the business world, that's pretty freaking cool mm-hmm. achievement to get to where you can really step back as the owner of the business and, and employ someone else. So talk to me about that because that's that's a, that's a cool accolade. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I've been doing the business about 15 years at that time. And uh, this was, you know, three, four years ago. I had a guy on my team. He actually came from the teaching world too. And he was just showing a lot of promise. He's an operations type of mind, but he also has some visionary qualities. He was managing the team. And then I was just kind of at that point, I just kind of burnt out. I said, I just need need some space. I need a little more margin, need a break. And I said, hey, do you want to just be the CEO? Do you want to run this company? I will step into the owner's box, which honestly, at that time, I didn't even know 
that existed. I didn't even know that you could do that. Typically, most owners think the CEO and the visionary is the pinnacle position that you can be in. Well, there is another position. It's called the owner's box. The CEO really is a, a position. You might have an acquisitions person, a dispositions person. Well, you have the CEO. You can ultimately trust your CEO because they have control of the business. But now their ideas are coming, their vision's coming. Um, so that was three years. He ran the company as CEO. I was sitting in the owner's box. So if you think about a sports team, the owner's box sits up. He roots his team on. The CEO is the coach. He's he calling the plays. That's basically how the, the teamwork worked with us. I still was involved with some of the financials, right? I mean, I'm... Yeah, I'm, I'm making sure we got money, things like that. But that was three years. He took a job. He got offered CEO position of the Collected Genius, which is one of the largest mastermind mm -hmm. groups in the country. So now he does that for the last year. I've had to step back in, but it's quite a wild ride. But I guess it just also gave me the confidence. And I want to give maybe you, your listener audience, the confidence too, that uh, it can happen, that you literally can have your company run without you. And now even that's, that's part of another, just my mission still is like, hey, Maybe not to completely take my hands off because I did learn a lot, but, you know, delegate what you don't love. And eventually you can delegate pretty much everything to your team. So uh, it can happen. Um, you know, a book I just read was Buy Back Your Time. I think it was by a gentleman named Dan Martell. Uh, hopefully I didn't butcher that, but um, he gave me some other ideas, right? So I'm always trying to think about how do I get my time back? Uh, most people hire, and he talks about this, most people hire to grow their business. And he talks about, what if you just hired to buy back your time? And think about some different positions that you can do to help buy back your time. So here's one position. So I live in Fort Wayne, Indiana. My market is in Indianapolis, two hours away from my house. So now here I am, I'm back in the real estate business. I'm driving a little bit back and forth once or twice a week. So I hired a chauffeur. I, I bought a. I bought one of those big mobile CEO vans, uh, mobile offices, and I got the chauffeur driving back and forth again, trying to think of things to buy back my time. I can pay a chauffeur twenty bucks an hour, and if I'm doing the things that I know I can make instead of driving, that's just an example. Right. Executive yeah. assistance. So some of the examples, I'm always trying to think of ways to to, to buy back my time. I'm not to where I was a couple years ago, but. Every day, every week, I'm getting a little bit closer to that as I'm buying it back. So, well, look, clearly you had a have a nouse for identifying someone cool because he's now gone on to do Collective Genius, which is a massive organization. If, if those yeah. listeners out there, you can just Google that, that. And so, to go from your company to now Collective Genius is clearly he he had. You know, big. It's pro it could be a step up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not trying to do anything <laughs> weird. But, 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 but I think my, my, where, where I was going with this question was, what did you learn from the by implementing me in the first place? Because I'm sure mentally there would have been a lot of scarcity. There would have been a lot mm -hmm. of like. You know, they talk about EOS and, and, and mm -hmm. traction, which is just behind me. There it is mm -hmm. behind me. Letting go of the vine, right, as the mm -hmm. founder of this company and the founder's mm -hmm. syndrome. So what did you, looking back, what did what was that stepping into the unknown and, uh, and allowing this other gentleman to, to take over your baby that mm -hmm. you spent many, many years building? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to really take myself back, I mean, that was one of the hardest parts is letting go. I said, that is the, the most difficult part. And I went through this process of 
There's a four C's. A gentleman wrote a book. He talked about the four C's. Number one is commitment. So you have to commit for, for, a, for a period of time. So I committed to it. And then you got to have the courage to do it. So like, man, it takes a lot of guts and courage to let go. Many times, you know, after just a month or two, I'm I'm getting ready to call him. That's not how I would do it. I'm going to write this email. That's not how I would do it. But you have to let go. So that was, the, I learned that. Uh, mm. The third C was the capability. So once you go through, you know, one month, two months, three months, and you're seeing, wow, this is actually kind of working. <laughs> like, okay, they're getting the capability to do it. Then the fourth C is confidence. And then after you're seeing all these things happen and you're seeing the results, now you're like, huh. And you kind of forget the whole first steps you go through. So that was how it all started. I completely let go of the business for probably two or three years. Like I said, I was still watching financials. I was getting reports sent to me. I knew we were making money. I did look at the deals. I was not making decisions on much of anything except the little money piece here and there. I would not let go that much again. Why? Because I think Right. You got a lot of risk here. Here's, I think what I learned. I had a conversation with him December the 27th, 2022, sat down. He uh, was moving on to the collective genius at that point. And I wouldn't let go because again, here, I guess here's what I learned that your neck's always on the line as the owner. They're making big, big decisions, money, big, big decisions. At the end of the day, a team member or an employee can walk away right? and you, you can't <laughs> like you can't. So some of those decisions will stick with you. So maybe some of those decisions, even two, three years ago, I have to deal with someone else on the team. They, they, they don't, they don't, they can move on, move to the next position. But I always tell my team this, no deal is so much better than a bad deal. A bad deal can it's just wreak havoc on you, not just now, but three years later, four years later, five years later, right? So that's that's part of it, I think, you know, because my neck's on the line, I would just be a little bit more involved. Their vision is getting carried out. And again, like you started this so and, and to to kind of set your own vision. So and I kind of love I kind of like that. So I, I still would want to cast my own ideas and visions. So I don't mind taking my hands off a lot, but I wouldn't do it. 100% anymore. Yep. So that's and, and it, it's, it sounds like you're really looking for a sh really strong COO. Yeah. Like where you're, and maybe it still is a CEO, but you're head of the board, so to speak, and your right. major decisions are still being discussed on a mm -hmm. monthly basis. Yeah. That you have, you know, sort of veto right. Right. And, and yeah, I think there's right. a, there's like a, for happy, example, there's like a I wasn't medium. in, yeah, like I wasn't in any of the meetings. Like I didn't right. go. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, just things like that, I think I would uh, revisit. Uh, yeah. Question for you, did the business take a backward step at all? No, it didn't. Honestly, it, it, well, let me rephrase. It didn't, but this was also during the time frame of COVID. So March 2020 to the end of 2022. And for us... You know, I know you're, you talked about your business, but for us at that time, the market was cranking. We saw the heights of appreciation across the board. So it was also, was it the team, which I think a part of it was, and he was a, he's an amazing leader, but the market obviously helped too. Mm -hmm. uh, when I did step back in, it, 
you know, we had some properties maybe we shouldn't have uh, purchased, but that's just hindsight. So, so I guess to answer your question, it did not, it actually grew, uh, it grew a lot, I think from his leadership and from the team's leadership, but also from the market as well, uh, for sure. No, so. no, it's, it's, it's such an interesting thing. We talk at such high levels here uh, on this podcast and you know, we've going for seven years. It's really great to, to get someone on who's sort of went all in to let, to, to let go of the reins, but now you're seeing that it coming back into the the captain of the ship, the ship may need to run a little differently. But mm-hmm. it's, I still think you can have your cake and eat it too with with certain mm-hmm. strategic hires. So yeah, um, it's, sure. it's, def, it's definitely a, an evolution and, and kudos to you to getting to that point because I think mm-hmm. there is so many business owners out there who, you know, they talk about that. You quit your nine to five to work 24-7. You know what I mean? Like, and, yes. um, and, and you become <laughs> a slave to your business and you have the burnout. The burnout's real. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you just look at your business and I've talked to other people too. Like, I don't want to manage people. So the right. que- so the, so they say, I don't want to manage people. So I'm just going to do it on myself. And then, then you're looking at, well, I don't want to do that. Right. You don't want to live that life. And there's just, there's this tipping point where you just, so for me, like I just, and I'm in that process right now, I'm delegating certain things so that I can step back and not just do nothing, but to do what I'm gifted at, to do what I love, which is really yeah. just leading inspiring the team thinking of ideas you know this read so yep yeah. no 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 I, I personally had the you know the last 12 months in the multi-space it's been it's been very mm-hmm. stressful right it's mm-hmm. been the high interest rate environment it's been a really stressful time and it's not been many deals and mm-hmm. i've found myself not and, and i talk about black blue red and green times so the black times the ceo time the visionary blues are sort of like the manufacturing time, like the the asset management, the uh, you know all, the, the, all that sort of thing, keep the business moving, but it doesn't, you know, it, it's not it's not directional. It doesn't move it forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you got the red time, which is really like the accounting and bookkeeping. You really don't want to spend a ton of time in. And then you got green time, which is personal. And mm-hmm. I was noticing I was getting so sucked back into the blue time. And I'm never never going to be 100 percent away from blue, right? But I wanted it to be like. 70 30 black to, yeah. to to blue right and it was yeah. becoming more like 60 40 or, or even the, yeah. the the reverse and i needed to realize and that's my own nature right i do a mm-hmm. lot of meditation around one of my goals this year is to be is, is excellence but mm-hmm. also i've employed a team back them go mm-hmm. and let them yeah. do that like go and let them make and, and, and to your point about oh i'd write that email i'm still a little bit writing that email today mm-hmm. you like coming in over the top and being like the bulldog mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm, I've got to, I've got to bring myself back because it's so yeah. easy to do it because this is how it I is, would do yeah. it, you know? And so I'm trying to find myself in when I'm talking to my employees, this is how I would do it. What do you think? Rather than be like, oh, do it this way or the highway, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely control the room. So it, it, it just takes a lot of, a lot of practice. I'm in the blue, I'm in the blue zone now too. And I haven't been there and, and uh, I've been in there pretty much all year all last year up to this point and uh it has been uncomfortable uh, a little bit uncomfortable because i can do it for a while but then i'm getting again uh, too much i get a little burnt out with with some of these tasks because it just drains me some of these you know the deal analyzation the all the nitty-gritty stuff that that the operators uh, need to do um i've been in so i uh, definitely feel you on that on that so i think you'd, you'd also come coming full circle in this i'm sure you've found your ability to identify talent in a different way so mm-hmm. are you using any you know i'm thinking of like the disc score that tony robbins does the disc score or something like that where you see, you, you mm-hmm. analyze people's personalities to see if they're up to snuff to be yeah. in a position now moving forward are you doing any of that now as, as mm-hmm. you sort of ceo 2.0 yeah i mean we we use disc scores we use the pi tests i mean one of the 
one of the most difficult things for me is is hiring and interviewing and seeking them out. And I'm a terrible interviewer. Like I interviewed two people this week and I was just like, I'm terrible at this. Like mm -hmm. I am not the right person <laughs> even to do this. Uh, so we've hired a couple of people recently just from a recruiter. So again, I'm always trying to find different ways to shorten the learning curve. So I'm like, hey, if I can spend... And I got him from CG named a car talent spent, you know, 10, 10,000 bucks, 12,000 bucks to find someone. And they give a guarantee within that first year, if they don't work out, um, you know, they replace them. So, but again, they just filter it all out. Like I'm always just trying yep. to find ways to filter it out. So just give me a couple people that you think are really good and let me just do them. And we found one guy and he's awesome. Right. right. So always trying to find ways, service companies, recruiters, at the end of the day, just finding someone maybe full-time in that seat that can help help me hire. Because it's all about teaming. Team is everything. That's even our theme this uh, this quarter is just the team is everything. I can't do this on my own. I don't want to do it on my own. The team is everything. I have to lead them. And one of our other core values is raising up leaders. So I tell my team, who's going to lead? Like I'm not, I'll inspire and I'll lead, but this is not going to be forever. So maybe I'm the coach, but who's the captain of this team? Who's going to lead this yep. ship? And I say things like leadership is influence too. You don't have to have a title to lead this team. You could be the, you know, just started. I don't know. So I try to do things like this on, on the, on the team. And uh, so those are some of the, the things and core values of our company. No, it's, it comes full circle to your dad and the basketball, you know, yeah. being, being the coach, you know, so <laughs> right. it's, uh, it's, it's, There's it's a lot awesome. of similarities to, between sports and, and, yes. and just business. So yes, 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 there is. But, but you have to, I think there's an element of being the business owner and starting it from scratch where you're doing it all, the black, the blue, the red time that you yes. can then learn how to delegate. I don't want to be in the spotlight. I want to shine the spotlight on my employees or my, my team. Mm, you know what I mean? Yes. Like that's that's yes. my role now. And, and in the beginning, you may be in the spotlight because it is your company and you're doing everything. But over mm -hmm. time, you want to be able to shine the spotlight on, on people in that team. Yes. And I think that's, that's it's really- That brings a lot of fulfillment too, probably even more more fulfillment. Because I mean, I've had my spotlight. I've done things, and but they haven't, right? Your team hasn't maybe had that opportunity. So I'm always trying to raise them up. Hey, how about you be the face? Maybe it's a social media thing. We host a meetup investor, the any investor, whatever it is, uh, just trying to shine the light on them. Um, I think good leaders- do that right and good to grace says most leaders the best leaders are, are humble which means they it's not about them right, right. it's about their team yeah. and, and yeah. their business so well brett as we come to the end of the show i'd love to understand what you got planned for 2024 both in the business personally i know you've got we haven't even got into some of the other cool stuff you're, you're yeah. doing but i do want to hear what you sort of what 2024 holds uh, for you in the business yeah definitely i mean we're still uh so we do just some still creative things. Uh, seller financing and creative financing has become kind of a key component of our business. Uh, I think that's going to be just huge coming in, whether it's a subject two types of deals that have a 3% mortgage rate, because you can't get that anymore these days. Or, you know, we sell with seller financing, which I love doing because I'm given, uh, we call them a penalty box buyer. Maybe they're a self-employed and they have a hard time getting a bank loan. So, you know, we, we go through the compliance with it, but we're able to help them out and they can own a home and we were the bank and we sell their finance. And so those are the things I love doing in the business, growing the team. 
we're looking to yeah grow the team just continue doing doing what we're doing you know we're having to pivot a little bit i think everyone's having to pivot we're all trying to figure it out this is you know this whole creative financing thing's a little bit newer to us we usually just buy and sell a bunch of houses so just grow that personally I heard a guy say one time that real estate maybe isn't the thing. It's the thing that gets you to the thing. And I've always kind of resonated with that because real estate's always been for me, like the tool, the vehicle to get me to the passions so I can spend more time with my family. But then I have this organization called Iron Deep. It's for businessmen, real estate investors of faith, of Christian faith. So uh, we've had a couple of events, but I'm looking to really pour into that to help these men grow, not only be better business leaders, but also in their family and their faith. So they just some passions of mine. I just wrote the book, The Secret War Within. If you guys want to you know, get a copy of that, it's an allegory, a lot of uh, passion to that. So uh, yeah, that's some of the things we're up to. What you just said there about the, the pathway to opening your mind, I think real estate is such a such a powerful way to, so many things start, the blinkers come off in life. You know, you went from being that uh, that, that high school teacher, you know, earning that $7,000 on that first deal. And now you're mm-hmm creating, you know, organizations for, for other business owners um, of faith and writing books mm-hmm. and, and but you're learning along the way and in, in the blinkers are coming off. So I think you, you're 100% correct there where real estate is that um, segue into opening up a life full more of fulfillment, if that makes sense, or, or wanting to fulfill. And that can even go as simple as, you know, being the, helping create other leaders within your company. So right, awesome yeah. stuff, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. And it's awesome. I think real estate is a tremendous vehicle. I'm in a, a mastermind group with um, some other just business owners. I'm the only real estate guy in the group. And it's funny just to kind of look at their businesses versus, you know, our business. And I just, I love the vehicle. You were just buying assets. We're buying cash flowing assets. You know, we, we make some active income by flipping some properties, but, but the long term is, you know, we're buying cash flowing assets where it's rentals, where you come in, you know, I have a, I have rentals, but then these seller financing notes, 10, 12, percent plus interest. I mean, it's just, it's just an amazing vehicle that builds a life of freedom, a life of choices, and it's just fun. So awesome stuff, man. Look, at the end of every show, we like to dive into the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Okay. It's a lightning round, five questions. It's unprepared, unscripted, because we okay, want to gotcha. hear the, we want to hear <laughs> the most honest answers. So question number okay. one is, what's the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Mm, daily habit. Um, I have something called the stick at six. And it's basically, I just try to write down the top six things that I have to do for that day. And then I prioritize them from most important to least important, just kind of keeps me on track for the day. So yeah, that's something I do every day. Question number two is who's been the most influential person in your career to date? I love reading this book called The Millionaire Next Door. Uh, this was really in my younger days, but I was driving a pretty decent car, but I was dead broke. And it just is a book about uh, the millionaires of the of the world really are not the guys driving the brand new Benzes. They're the guys living next door that you would never know that they're a millionaire. Kind of changed my whole perspective on just wealth and, and what it looks like to be a millionaire. So that was one of the pivotal moments in my life. Who wrote that book again? I have to Google it, right? I think Thomas. <laughs> I think it. I think his name's Thomas Stanley. Last name's okay. Stanley. He passed away a few years ago, but yeah, yep. it's called The Millionaire yep. Next Door. Yeah, awesome stuff. It's a study okay. of millionaires. Question number three: what, What's the most influential tool in your business? When I say tool, it could be a physical tool like a phone or a journal, or it could be a piece of software that you just can't run the business without. What is it? I mean, we have pivoted really towards uh, our CRM system, which is Salesforce now, which is kind of a pretty powerhouse uh, Salesforce system, very customizable, where we host, you know, pretty much everything as far as leads, deals, transactions. That's been, uh, we have dashboards, 
that's a pretty powerful tool. So Salesforce. Question number four is what's been the biggest failure in your career? What'd you learn from that failure? I think realistically, you know, when I mentioned build, uh, you know, doing those houses in 2008, we did 150 deals, me and my dad, we literally ran the business on our own, never hired an employee for six years. Wow. So really the first six years, never hired anybody, didn't build a team, did it all on my own. And that was a huge mistake. <laughs> Ramping up, bringing on other people quicker. I think yeah. that's it's such a common mistake with a lot of going back to that letting go of the vine. So right. awesome stuff, mate. Last question is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to get some their hands on your book. They want to find a little bit more about Iron Deep. Where do they go? I would just, uh, I'm just going to give out my, uh, my email address. Um, I think that's just the best place. Me and my my man is my assistant. We can definitely reach out to you. Love to chat with you about it. Brett, B-R-E-T-T at irondeep.com. So I-R-O-N-D-E-E-P.com. You can actually check out the website too, what we're doing there. Let's talk about investing, Iron Deep, whatever you guys want to talk about. Cool, man. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I want to share, again, just reflecting back some of the things uh, that you, you know, you shared with us and you're vulnerable on. And I think it's those three C's that you went through early in your career, not early, but you went through recently and, and letting go of the vine. I think that's such a such a powerful, you know, lesson for a lot of entrepreneurs to understand that there is an owner's box out there mm-hmm. and you can let go. Now, you've obviously had lessons learned on that and you're coming back in, but there's some, going to be some sort of hybrid moving forward. And and I think the other thing that I really you know, coming out of this transition is you, you're now really focused on raising up leaders. And I think that's so important as a, as a CEO to be doing that and, again, shining the light on, on people. So did, did I leave anything out? I don't think so. I think that's uh, the other thing with our business too. Uh, you know, I always tell everything that we do, we try to have simple and seamless. So uh, love it. it's just like, I don't want a complicated business out there. It's just every transaction or relationship, it just has to be uh, simple and seamless. So that's just another thing that we, we really focus on. Keep it simple. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, look, again, thank you so much for jumping on today's show. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up very, very soon. Thanks, Reed. Appreciate it, man. Well, there you have another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Brett. Remember to head over to irondeep.com. That's I-R-O-N-D-E-E-P.com. Check out everything that he's doing over there. If you're in the Indian Mar- Indianapolis market, he also has the Indie Report that you should definitely check out because he is focused on that particular market. Uh, I want to thank you all for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ. The easiest way to give back to this show is to give it a five-star review on iTunes. And we're going to do it all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack.